Hello. We have our new mic set up. New mics. Um, yeah, I'm trying to go for an NPR voice. All of the sweaty balls. <laughs> uh, skit of SNL days. You're doing it. So how's how's your few weeks been? Your last few weeks. Um, it's been so exhausting, honestly. Work this time of year. I'm really. I'm out of the um, the illusion that uh, my prolonged childhood and adolescence gave me. And now I just feel lots of responsibility at the age of th- it, it happened pretty late at 35. But you know what I mean? It's just every year it's like, oh, just, you know, get everyone all the gifts and all the different traditions and stuff. I love it, but I don't I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm pretty stressed out, but I will be OK. And I'm grateful to have my time filled I had no idea that you were 35 I'm 35 you're 33 33 I'm the same age as Jesus (laughs) I I did not actually realize that he was but that makes sense every photograph of him he looks like a mid 30 something um but yeah no I'm good just very busy and a little bit worn out but I'm good how about you (laughs) Um, I've been good. Uh, just coming off of a never-ending string of sicknesses the last few weeks. So I had um, a virus and then I got uh, an ear infection where I was like hearing double. And Is that still a thing? It's not. It went away. Okay. Yeah, it was so bad. Um, That's just like a recipe for badness. Yeah, I remember the last time we recorded this show actually I was still hearing double and I was trying to explain it to you and then the internet kept going out and so that part of it like didn't make the show but I um I was basically like hearing different sounds in my right ear than my left so everything that was going into my right ear was like a different tone it was all like very high pitched almost sounded like Minnie Mouse yeah, that's what you said. <laughs> Hearing is so trippy because you think about it and it's... You take it for granted until... You, t- like... you take basic things like being able to understand language, hearing, sight. Yeah. All of your senses are taken for granted until you're like, fuck. So yeah, so then I went to an ear doctor and I used to only be missing 40 decibels in each of my ears. And now I'm missing 70 in my right, 40 in my left. So that's the equivalent of like missing like 70 percent of your hearing or something did they say if it was like a genetic sort of viral thing or was it just something that like just over time hap- you know um it's just from my like cilia condition so i just had oh, right. so many different infections and scar tissue and stuff like that that excuse me um that over time it's just it just I don't know, like my hearing is just sucks basically. So um how do you um because okay, so I when I was younger, I had like the tubes and everything and I had really bad hearing then. It's mostly okay now, but I was curious, what is your experience like on airplanes? Because when we're descending, if the pilot kind of does a deep, a steep descent and the pressure changes dramatically, it is intense pain. I know for most people it's like uncomfortable, but mine is like intense, intense pain. And my doctor said it's because I have a bunch of scar tissue that it's like. So do you experience that at all? Or so I have the opposite experience. 
Um, because my, so both of my eardrums, they told me are basically non-responsive. So they're both collapsed and just like pushing. I know. <laughs> that one's so tired. My, my eardrums are tired, you guys. Um, <laughs> and so they don't really react to sound the way that normal people's do. And so because of that, and also just because I have giant perforations in both of my ears, I don't have any ear popping at all when I'm in airplanes, like nothing changes. So that is probably the one benefit of my ear loss, like my ear condition situation <laughs> is that I like have no sensation of pressure change or anything like that. So it's still happening. You just don't have the sensation of it happening. Yeah. I didn't, my ears don't pop like nothing. Like it's just like being on the ground. I have, I have, it doesn't affect me at all. Crazy. I've never experienced my ears popping in an airplane. All right. So I actually think instead of going into our, <clears throat> our original order, we should instead just talk about um, colloidal silver. I think we should talk about mother God. Oh, mother God. <laughs> okay. So first of all, how, oh, I don't even know how to start. Like, um, do you want me to just sort of kind of give um, yeah. our listeners the basic rundown? Uh, yeah, give rundown. them the rundown. And then I, I also want to know, like, how you found this or. Yeah, I just. OK. Yeah, because I hadn't heard of it until you told me to watch it for the show. So, listeners, we are referring to the HBO Max documentary of late it's i think it was has been released within the last four to eight weeks it's called mother god i think it, actually its official title is like mother god cult uh love has love has won mother god love has won love has won mother god this is a documentary it's on hbo max i think it's spread out over three episodes or four episodes and it's basically the story of um Amy. Me messy bitches living for drama. Um, <laughs> a, a really, you know, beautiful and charismatic um, but lost young woman named Amy Carlton. And it traces her journey from frankly deserting her family and a previous life and going to the ends of the earth psychically um <laughs> and then regionally within the like western united states um and so the documentary just kind of follows basically from about 2005 to 2021 the journey of mother god is what she referred to herself eventually she's and then a, a cult leader she is a a, yes, she's a cult leader, I suppose. Um, and then she, her group, um, the cult itself, is, um, it was called Love Has One. So, Amy Carlton, she's a Kansas girl. I know. As soon as I saw that, I was like, <laughs> of course she is. <laughs> I know. I know. This, it's, it was very, like, Oklahoma, Kansas hippie vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, I I know those people. I know you and I both. So I have some notes here. Um, but 
yeah, so she was from McPherson, Kansas. Do, is it okay if I give sort of a, her little yeah. bio? Yeah, yeah. Um, so she was a small town girl, McPherson, Kansas, I believe is like between Wichita and like Lawrence-ish. Um, and she grew up in a very working class home. I think the father, her father was not around. She was raised by her mother who talked about, you know, they had a good time. They ate donuts and hot dogs and they just had a great time. The kids, you know, had no idea perhaps of of their proximity to like poverty, but their mom sort of, you know, protected them from any of that. And um, she had a sister growing up and um, she had a pretty normal childhood. Um, she was very beautiful young woman she was really pretty like when so I saw pretty. her I mean like 1994 she reminded me of like I don't know like just the classic bomb blonde shell of those of that time period like a bomb blonde shell I love you yeah well I mean not I mean like blonde bombshell blonde bombshell wait what did I say you said bomb blonde shell <laughs> 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 the the bombs right the bomb um, i know she she looks like a young chris my chris she she looks like chris she looks like kind of like my mom in the early 90s she looks like my stepmom in the early 90s yeah, um just like she's just beautiful like super beautiful and like glowing blonde like young young woman um she had children very young um i think she had like her first kid when she was 20 right yeah it was like 19 or 20 um so she kind of had this sort of toxic relationship with men she was really only attracted to the mean ones she was working Um, at mcdonald's to support her two children she was working at mcdonald's i wasn't i think she kind of started that job as a teenager and then she like kind of rose through the ranks um so she became a manager well, to, it, that's still hard though you know as like a single mom to be working, oh for sure to having to like work like a really intense hospitality job to to take care of your kids so right um, and you know who knows what kind of um exhaustion and like you know pushing someone to a brink this could have brought her to yeah. um so she did that this was like the early 2000s she had another kid i think there was three total because i thought but maybe maybe it was two maybe two children. yeah two or three and then of one fateful night she and her mom and her sister are having dinner at the olive garden love that and love the olive garden amy um excuses herself from the table goes home gathers yeah. her belongings and never sees her family ever again she just what an exit away. she just she walks, walks away. away she walks away from her life and begins basically a 21 year long bender um but yeah i think i think at some point it was either before um before olive garden like while she was managing the mcdonald's or shortly after the olive garden exit that she first takes ecstasy um she'd heard about it from friends and she's like i want to know what this is all about 
and she takes ecstasy and she has an incredible spiritual experience and um she starts to perceive that the world is an illusion and that we're all sort of deluding ourselves from true love uh love that we can you know just constantly access and and all this sort of benign routine of life is just a bunch of bs and she somehow comes to believe that she, that that god is a woman and that she is god right so at some point so she's she has i think the ecstasy was sort of like her first you know psychedelic adjacent experience and so then after this she starts like she's just internet sleuthing so she's on all these like 2004, 2005, 2006 message boards looking for other um, other people that are on the journey that she felt she was starting. Um, and then she she basically connects with this like old hippie man. I think it was in Texas. It was like Texas or something like that. So she moves like I think sight unseen. I think she'd been talking to this guy for like six months tops and she moves down there and marries him or gets into a relationship with him. And then the real cult building oh, begins at that time. My notes say that since she married him from the internet after 17 days of knowing him. Yeah, after 17 days. <laughs> and this is like, he's, he's definitely like, do you remember Whitehall and Lawrence? Yeah. Wait. Oh my God. Yeah, wait. Is that like the, the old like, hippie the man? peace guy, the peace sign guy on Mass Street? Yeah, is he, he the guy who's definitely problematic? I think so. You know, he, you know I he did that a lot, but he hung around. He was in like he must have been in his sixties or seventies. And what was his name? White Owl. White Owl and oh, RIP Jimmy if... Jimmy Tucker. Maybe. Okay, he was escorted off campus. <laughs> yeah, he he did a lot of like not great things. <laughs> I kind of like He's banned from KU for five years. <laughs> Wait, is this our next podcast topic? What's the well, what's what's the date of that article? Two thousand and nine. Okay, no, that August was twenty second, two thousand eleven. Okay, yeah, that was around. So I'm not even sure if he is still in this realm with us, but. He, he oh, was no. a lost he was a lost young man but i think that is the guy anyways okay. th the guy she goes down to me is sort of like a white owl character they start this whole sort of movement but she wants to expand it she starts you know she's really getting into like that megalomania stage of like the the dark side of like i think she's probably ingesting not just ecstasy at this point she's probably on some pretty heavy psychedelic usage pretty consistently and um, you know, she starts to believe that the clouds are UFOs and she's high to them and she's really just amazed by them. She has fully entered a new era of her life. Okay. Yeah. She's um, in her her uh Galactics era. <laughs> yeah, the, she's she's forming the Galactic A, a team. <laughs> which is what basically so the documentary kind of like goes and tra traces those steps back but then it also shows like the modern day so basically she is able to convince primarily a lot of like 
uh, horny men or lost young men to come out and fuck her, fuck her, and then help <laughs> basically be business advisors um, and or financial advisors to her growing entrepreneurial coal operation. So the first guy, he's not really into her. He says he's like, I'm not, I wasn't really attracted to her. She was really pretty, but I, I don't know, maybe he was gay or maybe he just wasn't, <laughs> he just sensed the madness. But he basically was like, you need to get your marketing together. So he right. put together the whole brand for Love is One. So then she's got a website. The next horny guy she brings on is this, this dude from, I think his name was Mike from Brooklyn. And he comes out and he is uh, managing the money. Nothing could ever go on there. And um, yeah, now that they have an online presence, they start to attract lots of other lost, lost souls. People that are pissed off at their parents and want to get away. People that have lost their parents. I, yeah, a lot of I feel like I noticed a lot of the people that they were attracting to their cult just seemed like they were coming to them at a time of complete desperation. You know, like this one right. guy, his dad had just died. Um, another woman had she was like 60 years old and her husband left her. Um, another woman had been through like a health trauma and she had cancer and she had had all these surgeries and was just tired of the medical system and was looking for some sort of alternative. Um so yeah, just, right. it was just like a lot of like really lost, broken people that found each other. Right. So at this point, there is sort of a traveling. So she has left the old man, like quasi husband, partner, whomever he was. He's out of the picture now. He's not involved at all. But she's like living in a home. I believe this was in. They were they were going between like Mount Shasta, Northern California, places in Oregon, and then they had sort of a shack basically in Crestone, Colorado. Right. Um, but she she attracts all these lost souls, and I do sympathize with them. They all or empathize because I I can't relate, but I feel for them. Right. Um, I was honestly just blown away at. How do I say this? Just the incoherence and frankly, like how dumb everyone was. <laughs> and um, because it's not like this cult ever really published any like manifestos or books or it was just nonstop babbling. It was just nonstop partying and babbling and just like... self-indulgence. It's like I couldn't under like I feel like a lot of cults are like trying like to infrastructure and like a, a coherence or some sort of yeah they're like seeking some sort of power or something like i don't even feel like these people were trying to make that much money off of their beliefs i think they right. they made money like they wanted money as like a means to an end as like a means to, to survive get them high and to survive and to like feed them and give them like a place to live but yeah they weren't like they weren't a cult, I feel like, and like the way that like Scientology is a cult or something, you know, it's just, they, they seemed like they were bad at being a cult. <laughs> it's just showed the dark power of weed and some people like, you know, when some 
people philosophize while high, but it's like taking the dumbest people you know and <laughs> gathering them all in one room and they're all high and they're all like going off on like like that um it's always sunny like the guy who's connecting all the he has like the map where everything's connected yeah um so they yeah i was just bamboozled and well they were all bamboozling each other it seemed like they just hunt out in bed a lot or mother god really hung out in bed and they hunt around the bed that mother god was they hung out around in. the bed and they all passed around it was a just, joint <laughs> yeah it was like Lots of psychedelics, lots of weed, but also lots of alcohol, which is not very common for cult leader leaders, I feel. I feel like a lot of the times they're like she didn't have the I feel like the discipline of a cult leader is like you're not in just like you're totally committed to your like. Your vision. Yeah. And your mission. And I feel like at some point she never maybe vocalized this, but she totally lost the plot and she was just like, I don't know what the hell is going on. And so she had to, but all these other people are down stuck in this like dark hole with her and they're like counting on her to like keep the illusion going. So should we explain just... the the galactics and their connection <laughs> to like Robin Williams and John Lennon and Elvis Presley and Gene Wilder. Donald Trump. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's an injection of this is sort of the horseshoe theory because they were definitely hippies, but they were hippies of a particular stripe. Um, They kind of had a little bit of redneck in them. They kind of yeah. had a little bit of country. So but they definitely believed they had some wackadoodle beliefs about health and um, it kind of became the, the horseshoe theory where the far left and the far right sort of overlap. Yeah. Um, so the one sort of creative product they did produce was what appeared to be a collage made on a piece of construction paper. <laughs> and it was, um, this was Mother God's Galactic A-Team. And it had the most random array of, so these are the people that she considered like, they were mostly like dead. gods. Are they gods or saints to her? I think they're, I, like I inv- they're advisors, and they're okay. they're most most of the people on this galactic A team were dead, um, except for I, Trump. Except for Trump, they said and he was like special. <laughs> they did love Trump, and um, but they basically just talked about that various these various people on the galactic A team would then like communicate through Mother God. And primarily her main inspiration was uh, our main galactic A-team advisor was Robin Williams. <laughs> There's a I one thought- point they're like in the documentary, they're like all like just sitting around like watching, Mother God in her bed watching Mrs. Doubtfire. And Flubber. <laughs> they watched like. I like that part. That was cute. It was it was there was some sweetness. Yeah. It's like just a bunch of friends hanging out for years watching (laughs) Flubber and Mrs. Doubtfire over and over but she really had some sort of insistence that Robin Williams was speaking through her yeah what did you think about um I don't even know everybody (laughs) calling her like mom and him dad like fought like any all (laughs) so at some point I feel like a group of people Sorry, a group of people like that, like it, it kind of just replicates the family structure, right? Yeah. So she was, she already called herself Mother God. So 
and so anytime really, she any, had a boyfriend, it was like father God. Anytime she had a boyfriend. And so she at first she was kind of attracted to these kind of like nerdy but competent men. Mm-hmm. And then I think when she was deep, deep, deep into like hardcore alcoholism and like psychedelic addiction, she basically just attracted the baddest boy of them all. Oh my God. What was his name? Oh my God. We should definitely know that. What, what was, was his, his name? name? He was the um, guy who never had the, his shirt. He was never wearing a shirt and he was always like puffing on a cigar. And he had, yeah, like a- he's definitely one of those like, like the dark hippie metal person, like a guy who like always has his shirt off and is flexing, is like, kind of in a video game in his mind reminded me of like some guy i would have dated in college um he had like (laughs) he had very like barely disguised homicidal you could you could imagine him killing people he just seemed like such a douchebag um oh totally but that was unfortunately for i mean we can armchair analyze psychoanalyze her but you know her most like i think most of the men that she'd been into uh replicated that um who so, was yeah, the guy's she, name i don't know it's like driving me crazy uh let's just call him todd seems like his name would be todd yeah he seems like a todd <laughs> So this goes on for many years. I don't know how they were able to like make payments on who knows. It sounds like they probably they switched around houses. So I bet there was a lot of like eviction evictions and like various rentals that they destroyed and like were on the <laughs> lamb from and they don't care. And at one point they're in this rental house. They're really excited about it. And this one girl who was just like so far gone. And so she's, um, she just, she's like, I just lit some sage and it started a brush fire and it basically engulfed the entire home there. They burnt their house down. So I'm sure there's like another side. There's like another documentary you could make about just the terror that, that they, um, enacted on all their rental properties. (laughs) And so then this girl who had, um, who had lit the fire that consumed the house that they were temporarily staying at like and this is when at Mother God at some point kind of loses the sort of like bright eyed bushy tailed language and she just starts communicating like fucking shit like she just really gets into like hillbilly like megalomaniacs her like true self comes out Oh. Yeah, like cigarette, like heavy drinking voice, that sort of thing. So this this uh, one woman in the cult, do you not recall her name? There's a lot of characters that come and go. She goes to her to Mother God and she's like, Mother God, it was me. And Mother God is just like, I know, bitch. The guides told me like, I know, bitch. <laughs> like she also had this she distinctive. Cackled. She cackled all the time. And it was it was like so off putting. Like, like like just total madness tackling <laughs> there's obviously some dubstep this is like the dark side of, of weed <laughs> people that just make it their whole personality i mean it was beyond weed though i think actually if you want to if you want to talk about meth. the maybe meth but i think what really brought them down was the alcohol like they 
just all drank so much and so heavily Um, i think it was mother god and father god that were the heaviest drinkers i think the other people because we just like we previously talked previously talked about inevitably family structure structures replicate so there's mom and dad and the kids and all those lost souls they were looking for a mom and a dad yeah and they kind of are became childlike beneath her her sort of her rage and her mood swings and her love and her hate and everything so they didn't really question much but they were like her servants so they didn't really i don't think they drank too much but they just wanted to do everything for her so she had this like strange sort of not very hippie diet which included she loved shrimp cocktail she liked like french onion dip she loved Velveeta grilled cheese sandwiches she loves like all of the food that i love <laughs> she loves all the food that like a midwestern good kansas girls like a kansas girl like a Velveeta <laughs> sandwich she, like chicken marinara from like olive garden Jack's pizza <laughs> yeah i mean I I mean I love that food too, but obviously you know when you're leading a cult you assume like whole whole f- fruits and veggies really not Mother God style. She might have occasionally she did love colloidal silver, which at this point I hope we're not losing people. But basically it was just a mishmash of all. It was just a 21 year long bender with all these characters that c- came in and out. The thing that made um, me so sad is that like. I know that these people were all looking for a family, right? And that's how they kind of found each other. But they interviewed so many of their actual parents. And they were like, yeah, I really miss my daughter. Like, I know. I can't, I know, I can't get in touch with her. Like, their actual, like, moms were, like, looking for them. And, like, her, like, she abandoned her children, to go be like a mother god to all of these like random people that obviously weren't her kids. Like how ironic is that? It's all very dark and lots of abandonment and selfishness. Self yeah, selfishness and just like just stupidity and egomania and paranoia. And it's like that one girl who I think she was from Boston. The one who was like, oh, like, dude, like, talking like, my mom's <laughs> trying to find me. And I said, fuck you, Meredith. Like, she, like, they had this sort of adolescent, adolescent view of their parents deep. And it, they were allowed to sort of, you know, um, let that sort of hatred flourish. Yeah. Um, sound, and, yeah, they were all like stuck in a arrested development or something. Yes, exactly. Arrested development. And about, yeah, about like, imagine you know, a bunch of 17-year-olds that do ecstasy for the first time. And then these people stayed in that state for 21 years. And it was really sad. It was sad to hear Amy, Mother God's mom and sisters who, or sister, who, you know, I have a little bit of judgment of them. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know, like, at some point maybe for their own protection they because they raised her children yeah it's not like they gave they gave up on her children in that sense but maybe they had just been so exhausted by the gravity of what she did that they 
they try I think at some point they got Dr. Phil involved and Mother God was on Dr. Phil. Um, but, but like you don't her. really you don't actually go to Dr. Phil if you want help. Right. I know. If you truly want to save your loved one, you don't go to like a celebrity you go right TV to them. doctor. You know? I totally agree. And I feel like there was near the end of Mother God's life. She had a lot of questions. Basically, she was like, oh, my God, you guys, what if I've just been making this all up? And obviously, it's like the sunken cost fallacy. Once you've already put so much into a belief system or anything, really, it's too much to admit that perhaps it was all wrong i mean yeah like we see this in all kinds all facets of life and beliefs and politics but she really did and she tried to reach out to her children her children and her mother i think her sister too and they didn't come to see her it's really a sad story i mean I, I know when I told you to watch it, like when Chris and I were watching it, it was truly so sad and dark and it wasn't funny. It really was only like when you think about the details of like how, I don't know, the real Amy Carlson was able to still sort of demand her Velveeta sandwiches um, yeah. and like <laughs> call people bitches. And like there was like a dark few, comedy. There was some dark <laughs> humor in that and because yeah it's definitely a heavy watch but then when you if you it's just hearing about the antics that you're like how did this go on and it kind of makes you wonder like when you see certain groups of people do like if if they're also in a crazed cult right (laughs) that nobody knows about um i i think the most disturbing part of the doc was the part like the ending when she was dying and they were moving her between the bathtub and the shower and the bed and she was like completely blue from drinking so much colloidal silver and her body was just so frail and she was so skinny and they like put like these like party sunglasses on her and like had they, like, like insta burnied her yeah they weakened to burning her basically um it was just so sick because you're I watching mean, like the slow watching somebody death kill of themselves, somebody. basically. It was like this woman created a cult to feed her addiction as like a vehicle for her alcoholism, basically. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, consciously it- or not, like that's that's like we talk about like what was the cult's mission, like what was their purpose? Like she lost the plot. Well, I think. Hanging out in bed all day. I mean, the, the purpose was like so that she could justify her addictions. Right. Yeah. I mean, and also probably to not have to think about um, abandoning your children or her yeah. children. Yeah. And like she like, kept saying, like, have to oh, face that would be uh, uh, hor- horrible, horrifying, you know. Right. And when Dr. Phil asked her, like, why, you know, why did you abandon your children? She's like, I didn't. I didn't abandon my earth children. Right. Just total um, 
I had I had to go fulfill this mission. And so what was the mission? Like they kept saying, you know, mom's going to ascend, mom's going to ascend, like she's going to finally do it. The galactics are going to come get her. Well, ascending was literally committing suicide. So well, I felt right. like I was watching her commit suicide and that part of the documentary where they were just like weakened at burning her and she was blue right. and she was sick and losing neurological capacity and function. Right. Well, I think at some point she did say, I'd like to go to a hospital. Um, but I guess quickly, like maybe she said, I, I'd like, maybe I should go to a hospital. And then maybe within like uh, 30 seconds was like, never mind or something. Robin Williams so- told me not to go. Right, right. Well, they were so sunk into the illusion, too. Like, I mean, that one, those two girls that were, they were just so, one of them was like a former law student. I have no idea what, what was going on there. I'm like, you know better than this. Yeah. But yeah, it was really sad. So basically, um, they took Mother God to, Mother got they they were at the shack mainly in Creston, Colorado, but then they would take vacations. They took a vacation to Hawaii at some point. Gosh, oh, and then she got she, she got canceled in Hawaii. She got canceled in Hawaii. Well, it's just so she I had to clear bad for her when that happened. I, I know. Was like, there I was, was like, I feel like you this like you guys like are all upset about this woman that said this thing, but like, like she's she's, just, she's she's not well. Like she's, she's not well. I know. I <laughs> love like the white woman on hawaii like stealing the pedestal to be like (laughs) yeah it was all like white people that were getting mad (laughs) yeah the white liberal colonizers (laughs) of hawaii pretending look that's not us we'll even we'll see we'll call out the white lady too um but no at one point there was just the mother god humor like there was a shot of like all these (laughs) protesters like outside and then it was like a shot of the house and you could hear like she was mic'd up and like she was just like, fuck, I'm getting fucking fucked out here. And it was just, like, she really, she, I was like, same, I can relate to that feeling. <laughs> um, When you We're feel like you've fucked out here. <laughs> fuck, I'm getting fucking fucked out here. And she's just hanging out in bed in Hawaii. She's trying to have some Mai Tais, man. And all these people are. Why can't she just say she's Pele? <laughs> Obviously, we are not endorsing. She's already said she's that. God. I mean, what? I she's mean, already said she's what's God. Pele. I mean, right. What's it matter? Um, so she somehow, <laughs> I think the mayor talked to them and kicked them out, and all these people um, were like, "Yay, she's leaving! Fuck you, Mother God!" Because that's just it's how we exercise our demons now. Is um. But yeah, then she then there was funny moments when she'd like, you know, she she was losing people. She was losing followers too. like people were just getting kind of tired of all of her antics. And there was at one point a, a clip of her getting on like Facebook Live and like only seven or eight people were on. And she was like, fuck, nobody's <laughs> list. Like it was just it was all falling apart. And at this point, yeah, I think this was a year or two before she died, but she was slowly becoming she was. She was kind of purple or she was gray and she was kind of purple. And then she was like violet Beauregard blue. Yes. Perfect description. Like truly it is so haunting to 
it it was just like such a scandal it and it happened slowly and in plain sight basically this woman just wasting away at some point i think she stops eating and all of her deluded minions and father god who i think also has a part in this um so they take her to hawaii and then she finally basically just dies in a hotel room in Oregon. I think it's Eastern Oregon somewhere. And then they like carry her body around for almost two weeks. They travel around with her body. They camp with her body. They have (laughs) other people from the cult come from Colorado to Eastern Oregon to camp. And then at some point it dawns on them. Oh shit. We're like this. I don't think this is good. Like, we're carrying around a, a bot like a dot like suddenly the common sense breaks through i think they thought that robin williams was gonna come get they, her i guess because at some point they really unless they were doing that to save their own asses in the documentary so that but apparently they truly believed that something would descend literally from a cloud to i guess just take mother god and then they would just drive away like (laughs) robin williams from mrs doubtfire specifically (laughs) (laughs) i mean i have kind of a soft spot for people like this because i yes i feel like you and i knew this this sort of person or people growing up in kansas and then like in lawrence just that sort of right of center i think i knew someone who followed mother god and like lost believed in her like no i'm serious i think i like knew somebody yeah you you mentioned it clicked that that actually like followed her teachings online and told me about it her teachings which were basically nothing it was just a live stream of them youtube videos of them in bed with like a tapestry, like in a nasty ass bedroom. Unmade bed. Like, just imagine like depression, like sun pouring <laughs> into a room, like just dirty clothes all over the place, tapestries with like chip, you know, like all these food crumbs. It's just disgusting. But that was their living conditions, and that's where they. They all sort of were in this hole together. Um, But yeah, Mother God passed away in 2021. It was really sad. Obviously, her mother and sister never saw her again. They raised her children. Her children never saw her again. And that's, I think that's the tragedy of the story is that she was a mother to all of these other people, but was never really a mother to her own children. Exactly. So... Listeners, if you do decide to go on this journey with Mother God, just keep in mind that it, there's a lot of darkness, but try to see the humor in those moments, specifically the food, the way that she just, obviously it's a dark story, but you got to laugh sometimes at the like cluelessness of like, and just somehow they still, I don't know, maybe someone, maybe Robin Williams was looking out for them because they were able to keep going for quite a while and i think they're still going i think i didn't know if those two girls that like hosted this the live stream were like lesbians together or 
roommates or <laughs> something was going on there but podcast yeah. co-hosts <laughs> yeah they were podcast co-hosts they they did they came back after they're like she ascended they like had no they had no remorse whatsoever for what happened probably because ultimately they were not deluded and they know that there's some legal repercussions involved so I am kind of pissed at those people because they did know better and they did know that they were being unnecessarily and incredibly cruel to their families because you know that they went you know crawling back and were and their parents of course took them in or I think the one the one girl in Boston which you know that's what a good parent does but it doesn't excuse like you know I've been cruel to my parents and and I deeply regret it and I'm grateful that our relationship is still you know I believe that you should love and uh I don't know it it just hurts me as an as like you know a mid-30s person now of like I cherish my parents and I cherish those relationships and I know you can get lost for a while but I don't know what kind of world I would be living in if I had totally abandoned my family or had no none of those relationships. Like, it, yeah, it's really deeply scary, sad. deeply sad, and deeply scary, and spiritually sick. Which is- the dark, the dark power of we- of weed and ecstasy. <laughs> don't do drugs. <laughs> um. All right. But yeah, so- I just uh yeah. But anyways, Mother God, check it out. HBO Max and check it out you know, and don't drink colloidal silver do you not drink colloidal silver don't do it i have no idea what it is i was imagining it'll turn you it, blue <laughs> it'll turn you into a teletubby i was imagining it tasted like a bunch of like dimes or something. like i'm like what does that even taste like you're drinking <laughs> it constantly feet tastes right. like feet. Um, okay, last topic, and then I guess we'll just make this pretty short because I think we're kind of like running close to time. But um, Taylor Swift is time person of the year. What do you think of that? I am so upset. How dare <laughs> there's just, I'm just should have been G. Um, a lot of people were. I was gonna send you. Any people were pissed. People are pissed. People like love to be angry. And I understand at this point in what is going on in the world. I totally w- understand why. It seems so uh, unserious in the face of all that is so, so serious. Uh, exactly. Um, I can see that point of view. I would also agree that or argue that we have always had diversions um, in times of great strife, and this is just one of those things. Um, it is what it is. I've never really cared about the time person of the year, so why should you know? So why should you care now? I will say, I it kind of <laughs> dawned on me this week. Like you were asking, like well, Evan, why do you have such an interest in Taylor Swift? It's like I didn't until recently. Um, I feel like she's reached this like new level of fame that it's just hard to ignore her. Um, and I don't think that I really realized that until this year. And it I would, cr- 
right it's now. crazy like she is like if you think like compare her to any other like female or just any other artist like I don't feel like there's anyone out there right now or maybe anyone I would argue in the last like 30 years in this century who mm-hmm. has the sort of gravity that she has I mean I was looking at um a a list of like the highest or the best selling artist of all time and the first 30 people on the list there was only one from this century and that was taylor swift like all of the rest were like it was like the rolling stones like the beatles elvis presley michael jackson madonna like people that were like popular 50 years ago 40 years ago like she's the only one that even gets close to like that level of like fame and worldwide acclaim there's nobody else right so she's yeah, just hard I mean, to ignore and i and i guess lately i've just been trying to figure force, out why economic force cultural force uh, yeah i mean i like taylor swift i really like blink or not uh blink 182 <laughs> blink 182 <laughs> that cover like she did i like taylor swift but have you heard about blink 182 <laughs> What was no? What was the 1989? That was like 2015. I really liked that record. And then the Time said that was like her best album. And I've kind of like checked in and out over the years. Um, once again, my instinct is when a lot of people like something, I tend to go against the grind and not like it. And you—that's just a stubborn part of me. But I do that I, too. I do the same thing. I don't necessarily not like her. I just like some of it's fine. It's just I don't like. I I get it, but. But you don't it's, get it. Right. Because it's it's just made for so many. This is part of its appeal is that it can apply to so many different types of people, but that there's no specificity to it. I'm trying to figure music. it out. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to analyze. I'm trying to like. And so like She's last a CIA night, plant. I don't know what it is. Like, is she even real? Is she really? Well, she's definitely real. I think she's just I think it's a combination of right place, right time and marketing and also just raw talent i mean i think she's super talented 19 because i think prior to to 1989 she was more of like um like a nashville like country like country um teen or like young lady kind of performer yeah and then i think she kind of went more crossed over she crossed over into the pop realm like a lot of women do that like they kind of like use country as a launching pad Right. And, and then, so then like I and I think she probably just has a really great media team. Not to say that like I just don't know if like it's just like I think it's sometimes weird to compare. I mean, would Michael Jackson be as big? Would he be even bigger than he was back in the 80s? Would the Beatles be as big? It's just it's kind of hard to compare artists from different times. I mean, it's somewhat of a useful metric, I suppose, but just marketing and the amount of constant saturation of people i of listening to stuff now i think is just gives her that imprint more so than other artists i was at a dinner party or i was i was at a hanukkah celebration last night actually um with some friends and i was talking about I brought up somehow taylor swift came up i didn't bring her up somebody else did Mm -hmm. wasn't me she organically came up well and so and so they um they brought somebody brought it up and like 
the we realized so all the men that you know we were talking about that twitter thing that you had mentioned um that i had seen too about a month ago that the average man thinks about the roman empire at least once a week or something and so all of the women at the table like we were looking around and we're like what do we think about you know and multiple of the girls were like taylor swift and i was like are you a fan of taylor swift and they and they were like no no i'm not really at all i just think about her and i and i wonder like whether they see her like on whatever like she just comes into their brain you know like they're like i like think about what it would be like to be her i think about what she's doing to be with her <laughs> you know, like the, like, the inner gay gay person inside of us all what was the guys also... are thinking about Roman times <laughs> yeah and... yeah but like what was also so interesting is that the majority of the people that were at this party aren't like they weren't they're not originally from the United States um most of them were like immigrants um and so that was sort of like fascinating too just to see like this international appeal and so my one friend that was there I think she's from Argentina originally and she was just like yeah I realized at some point she doesn't even listen to Taylor Swift music she's like she said I realized at some point I used to reference Beyonce in my brain and Mm. at some point Beyonce it like switched and it became Taylor and now like it's Taylor right yeah, I so mean, clearly it's happening to a lot of people. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, I also like intrigue. I'm just fascinated by the fact that she has such, um, like even just economic cachet. Like, my brother manages a hotel on the plaza in Kansas City, and when she had her show, I think she played like two nights at Arrowhead Stadium, mm-hmm. and the hotel was booked for you know both of those concerts for like basically like a month or something or whatever time period it it took place across she like has this way of like people digging deep into their pockets even during a recession ish time to borderline (laughs) borderline recession not official yet um you know to go out and see her and like i feel like it's it's all facets of people. Gay guys. There's also tons of lesbians that really want Taylor Swift to be a lesbian, insist that she, well, if she's not a lesbian, then she's at least bisexual and she definitely had a relationship with Carly Claus, blah, blah, blah. That's another, like, there's all different, everyone can plug in to Taylor Swift. That's what I, and that's what I realized last that's night. I'm like, in. she's like an archetype for everyone's archetype. best friend or something. Like, she's like a stand-in for like, all of us right and both their love the world's love and hate she is a vessel for and I just I am fascinated by her because I wonder what that must be like to exist in to exist as well and that's the other thing it's like she's so healthy she seems healthy compared to like a Michael Jackson or Britney Spears or you know, even an Elvis Presley, right? Like his life got pretty dark in the last like 10 years of his life, right. you know, 20 like years. She, she probably has good people around her and probably has like a solid family life. I mean, this is going based off of nothing other than intuition. But yeah, she is simply a vessel, which is why, yeah, there's a lot of people that just have pure rage and hate for her, which they probably don't even know why they have it. It's just she's. It's not even like it's really about her. It's just 
she's just the vessel for all of that. She's the vessel of our time. The poison well, and the and the you know everything all combined together. That's where Taylor Swift. That's her purpose. She's the first musician to ever be a Time Person of the Year. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, crazy, right? Well, anyway, I think that does it. <laughs> I know you did, bitch. The guides told me. <laughs> um, I gotta go eat a Velveeta grilled cheese. Um, I'm gonna go have some French onion dip and potato chips. <laughs> And with that, I'll say, don't cry. Don't cry. Mm-hmm.